Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Toy Story 4 in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. I already did the review episode, uh, so if you've listened to that already, then you know I gave this a 92. Very high score. Uh, but we're all about statistics today, and uh, let's let's jump right into them. Tonight, it's a 2019 film. My brief synopsis, a road trip reveals just how big the world is outside of the toy's house. And it doesn't mention Woody, you know, it, it misses, there's a lot more going on, but I, I think in a sort of general, vague sense of the sense of the movie, that that is fairly accurate. Um, let's see, I saw it on June 20th, 2019, clocked it at 95 minutes, uh, I actually heard that there's something at the tail end of, of the credits, which I did not stay for, uh, but, uh, just a heads up, if you haven't seen it, or plan to see it again, and didn't see that the first time. Like I said, I gave it a 92. It had a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes the last time I looked, which ranks it number one uh, in 2019 and 236th overall. All the films ever. Um, it has a three on the Bechdel test, passes the Bechdel test quite, quite easily, and it's rated G for everyone, general audiences, all that stuff. It is the 30th highest rated adventure film on my spreadsheet. It is the 37th highest animated film, 77th highest comedy, 26th highest fantasy film, and 8th highest Pixar film. So comes in number 8 for Pixar. It is the 4th film in the Toy Story franchise. It ranks number 4th, number 4 out of 4. Uh, increases the total runtime of this franchise to a little over six hours, 6.03 hours, and uh, drops their average rating to a 96.25. A pretty, pretty outstanding um, franchise, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So, uh, which puts it just behind Toy Story 2, which is my number three. Moving on to the director of Toy Story 4 which is Josh Cooley. Uh, this is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, at least based on what I've seen, the only feature-length film he's directed. Uh, this is the third film of his that I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 69.67. It's his only film rate in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Riley's First Date. He has a value of 2, a score of 43.8, and is ranked 323rd overall, tied with Makoto Shinkai, one spot behind Christopher McQuarrie, and one spot ahead of Michael Showalter. Uh, yeah, so I also I have him for Raleigh's first date, as well as George and AJ, which is an up short film. The writers on the film include Andrew Stanton. This is the 12th film credit of his I've seen. Ooh, gotta add a little formatting thing to this. Hold on. 
12th film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to an 81.5. It's his fifth film rated in the 90s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Wally, for which he was a nominated writer, Oscar nominated writer, and ahead of Monsters Inc. Uh, it, it increases his value to a 17, his score to an 86.86, to be ranked first overall. He edges out Hayao, Ma- Hayao Miyazaki to take over the first spot overall. Miyazaki drops to second. The difference between the two of them is 0.42 uh, of their score. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Uh, also writing credits, uh, Josh Cooley the director. He wrote on the film as well. This is the third writing credit of his I've seen. Increases his average rating to an 89 even. It's his second film rated in the 90s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Inside Out and Head of Riley's First Date. Uh, he has a value of 5, a score of 58.4, and is ranked 110th overall, one spot behind Sam Raimi, one spot ahead of Greta Gerwig. Also, writing credit, Rashida Jones. This is her third film credit that I've seen as a writer. It increases her average film rating to a 72.33. It's her only film rate in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Celeste and Jesse Forever. She has a value of 3, a score of 46.4, and is ranked 407th overall, uh, one spot behind Matt Reeves, and one spot ahead of William Goldman. Also writing on Toy Story 4 is Will McCormack. This is his second film credit as a writer, Increases his average film rating to an 82.5. It's his only film in the 90s. Best movie overall. Coming in ahead of Celeste and Jesse Forever. Value of 3. Score of 44.25. To be ranked 497th overall. One spot behind uh, Kelly Reichardt. And one spot ahead of Richard Maibaum. Who wrote some... Uh, who wrote Goldfinger. Also, uh, John Lasseter. Credited writer on the film. This is his 25th film credit, increasing his average film rating to a 49.84. It's his third film rated in the 90s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 2 and head of Knick Knack. Short film, short Pixar film. He has a value of negative 5, a score of 41.15 to be ranked 631st overall, one spot behind James Poe, one spot ahead of Cinco Paul. Cinco Paul, who didn't who wrote for Despicable Me 2, 1, Secret Life of Pets, uh, The Lorax, Hop, Despicable Me 3, bunch of Illumination films. Uh, also, uh, two new writers added to the spreadsheet due to two sto- Toy Story 4, Martin Hines and Stephanie Folsom. This, uh, they have an average rating of 92, one film, it's Toy Story 4, value of 2, score 32.67, to be ranked 1,234th overall, tied with the writers of Fantasia, Kubo on the Two Strings, um, and a bunch of other people. One spot ahead of James Gray and Garson Kanine. Kanine? 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 Um, yeah, those people. Sure, you know all about them. Um, I think that's it for the writers. Let me see here. No, there's one more, at least. Valerie Lapointe, this is her fifth film credit as a writer. It increases her average film rating to a 43.2. It's her only film in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Presto. 
Uh, she has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 29.36 to be ranked 1,872nd overall, one spot behind Ian McEwen, and one spot ahead of Horton Foote. That is all the writers. And the writing in Toy Story 4, um, as I kind of talked about in the uh, review episode, is it gets a little loose in uh, particularly the second act. Um, but I think the first act is great. I think the third act is great. Uh, I think just the sheer magnitude of, of what they've accomplished in this movie with uh, just being able to resolve Woody's story in a just just reasonable and logical way is is pretty damned impressive. Um, I think the biggest challenge the writers had was balancing new characters and old characters, and I think that kind of fell by the wayside, especially for Buzz, but also for some of the other uh, original um, Andy characters and Andy toys. But uh, all in all, I think you know the writing for, for Forky and everything around Forky for uh, Gabby Gabby's story uh, Duke Kaboom, uh, Bo Peep, all of them, they get such brilliant, brilliant uh, arcs uh, and, and stories in this movie. And man, uh, the writing is very, very on point for all of those characters. So loved, loved the writing in Toy Story 4. Which brings us to the actors. Uh, and let's see if I can open up. IMDb page so I can make sure I get all the character names right. Uh, okay, lots of actors. Here we go. Starting out with John Ratzenberger. Yes, John Ratzenberger. This is the 36th film credit of his, increasing his average for to a 66.78. It is his ninth film, rated between 90 and 99. It increases. Uh, it's his ninth, and it's ninth, his ninth film overall, coming in just behind Wally and just ahead of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. He has a value of 24, a score of 87.26 to be ranked second overall, one spot behind Tatsuya Nakadai, current overall leader, and one spot ahead of William H. O'Brien. John Ratzenberger, uh, as always, playing the voice of Ham uh, brilliantly. Uh, but again, did not get too much to do uh, in, in Toy Story 4. <clears throat> Next up is Laurie Metcalf. This is her 16th film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 68.81. It's her fourth film rating in the 90s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 2 and head of Bullworth. She has a value of 12, a score of 73.17, and is ranked 49th overall. This pushes her up into the top 50. She's one spot behind Toshiro Mifune and one spot ahead of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Laurie Metcalf, uh, <laughs> managing to find a spot in this movie, uh, reprising her role as Andy's mom. Somehow. <laughs> um... Next up is Bonnie Hunt. This is the 20th film credit of hers, increasing her average form rate to a 65.6. It is her fourth film rate in the 90s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Dave and ahead of The Green Mile. She has a value of 12.5, a score of 72.14, to be ranked 66th overall, one spot behind Christian Bale, one spot ahead of Michael Gambone. Bonnie Hunt is the voice of Dolly, one of Bonnie's toys. 
Bonnie Hunt, uh, one of Bonnie's toys. Uh, I like Dolly, uh, but again, kind of because this was such a focus on Woody and, and Forky uh, and, and that side of, of the narrative in this movie, uh, I really did feel like not it wasn't just Andy's toys that kind of got short shaft, short shaft of, of time. It was also Bonnie's toys, who we got a little bit into and kind of got to know in, in Toy Story 3. And I don't feel like most, most of them got much of an just anything in this one you know it's most it's it's just kind of accepted i guess uh that they're there and i don't know like dolly's in charge but uh you know it still feels i wish they'd gotten two or three more minutes of tough time to just kind of develop their characters anything more anything more next up is don rickles this is the 14th film credit of his. It increases his average film rating to a 68.86. It's his third film rated in the 90s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 2 and Head of Casino. He has a value of 9.5, a score of 69.75 to be ranked 91st overall. One spot behind Peter O'Toole, one spot ahead of Maggie Smith, now Don Rickles, who passed away two years ago, um, unfortunately, uh, did um, have archived dialogue that they put in this movie uh, as the voice of Mr. Potato Head, which, uh, you know, he, Mr. Potato Head getting a smaller role, I can, you know, I respect that, understand that as, you know, Don Rickles passed away, but I think what they did give him was was sufficient and, you know, it, it didn't feel wasted and, and cheap. And so I, I was pleased that they were able to at least keep his voice uh, for this movie. Next up is Lori Allen. This is her 15th film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 68 even. It's her fourth film rating in the 90s, fourth movie overall, behind Wally and ahead of Riley's First Date. She has a value of 8.5, a score of 68.5, and is ranked 117th overall, tied with Julie Walters, one spot ahead of Frank McClure, one spot ahead of Lester Dore. Lori Allen is the voice of Bonnie's mom. Uh, human characters don't get a lot to do in the movie. Next up is Bill Hader. Um, what did Bill Hader voice? Ah, yes. Uh, this is his 11th, uh, this is his 47th film credit, <clears throat> increasing his average film rating to a 59.38. It's his fourth film rated in, the, rated in the 90s and third best movie overall, coming in behind her and ahead of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He has a value of 11, a score of 67.96, and is ranked 132nd overall, one spot behind Ward Bond, one spot ahead of Audrey Hepburn. Bill Hader is the voice of Axel the Carney, who we see like in two, maybe three scenes in this movie. Um, doesn't get a lot of talking to do. Kind of a, hey, I want to be in Toy Story. Here's a throwaway role. Next up is Joan Cusack. This is her 33rd film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 59.97. It's her fifth film rate in the 90s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind School of Rock and ahead of Say Anything. She has a value of 9.5, a score of 66.04, and is ranked 185th overall, one spot behind Liam Cunningham, one spot ahead of Peter White. Joan Cusack is the voice of Jessie, which she has played so brilliantly, so beautifully, uh, there's, there is a, a brief moment early on in the film uh, that she kind of gets a chance to 
shine, but for the most part, she is relegated to um, low low status, gets like two minutes of screen time sort of character. Next up is Timothy Dalton. This is the 12th film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average form rate to 67.58. It's his third film rate in the 90s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 3 and ahead of The Lion in Winter. He has a value of 7.5, a score of 65.43 to be ranked 200th overall, one spot behind Martin Scorsese, one spot ahead of Sterling Hayden. Timothy Dalton reprising his role from the third film <clears throat> as Mr. Pricklepants. Um, yeah, you know, he's okay. Again, he doesn't get a lot to do. So, Next up is someone who gets everything to do in this movie, which is Tom Hanks. This is the 59th film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average film rate to a 58.53. It is his sixth film rate in the 90s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Saving Private Ryan and ahead of Captain Phillips. He has a value of 8.5, a score of 65.11, to be ranked 212th overall. One spot behind Wari Aluwalia, and one spot ahead of Tony Shalhoub. Tom Hanks, as you know, is the voice of Woody, who gets the only real character arc. I guess not the only real character arc, but the biggest character arc in this movie, and uh, does it brilliantly, as he has done for the previous three. He breathes life, breathes life into Woody. Next up is Keanu Reeves. This is his 38th film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 58.71. It's his second film rated in the 90s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Much Ado About Nothing and ahead of John Wick Chapter 2. He has a value of 9, a score of 64.78 to be ranked 222nd overall, one spot behind Akio Otsuka and one spot ahead of Suzanne Ridgway. Keanu Reeves plays the voice of Duke Kaboom who was such a fun addition to this movie. Um, and Keanu Reeves voices him very, very well. Um, also, uh, a great, great supporting role in this movie, Annie Potts. This is her 11th film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 66.36. It is her second film rate in the 90s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 2 and ahead of Ghostbusters. She has a value of 7, a score of 63.15 to be ranked 280th overall, one spot behind Michael Sarah, one spot ahead of Elizabeth Taylor. She is the voice of Bo Peep, who, in my honest opinion, was best the best voice performance in the movie uh, and, and is just very, very... It's so nice to see Bo Peep back in this movie after missing her out, missing out on her in Toy Story 3. Next up is Wallace Shawn. This is his 36th film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 57.89. It is his fifth film rate in the 90s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind The Princess Bride and ahead of Prick Up Your Ears. He has a value of 6.5, a score of 61.34, to be ranked 368th overall, one spot behind Tom McGrath, and one spot ahead of Paul Sparks. Wallace Shawn, the voice of Rex, who, again, gets not too much to do. Next up is Tim Allen. This is the 26th film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average form rate to 59.37. It is his third film rate in the 90s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 2 and ahead of Galaxy Quest. He has a value of 6, a score of 61.13 to be ranked 380th overall, one spot behind Frank Phelan, one spot ahead of Michelle Piccoli. Tim Allen, to infinity and beyond, the voice of Buzz Lightyear, 
who does get less to do in this movie than I think any of the previous Toy Story movies, but it's not his story, and I think he still gets a decent amount and with is able to, to make good use of what he has. Um, all of the button pressing that Buzz does, you know, that's all Tim Allen's voice, and uh, I, I thought he did a good job. Made it feel authentic. He, he sold me on a bit that I think would have otherwise rubbed me the wrong way. Next up is Estelle Harris. This is her seventh film credit, increasing her average film rating to 71.29. It is her third film rated in the 90s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 2 and head of Party Source Rex. She has a value of 5.5, a score of 60.94 to be ranked 391st overall, one spot behind Chris Cooper, one spot ahead of Shane Carruth. She is the voice of Mrs. Potato Head, I believe. Yes. Um, yep, doesn't get too much to do. Uh, I think I think they use her body parts to like see around and do stuff. If I'm remembering correctly, it might not be, uh, as opposed to Mr. Potato Head, since Don Rickles passed away. Next up is Carl Weathers. This is the eighth film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 68.5. It is his second best film overall. Uh, and his, It's his second film rating in the 90s and second best film overall, coming in behind Rocky. He has a value of 6, a score of 60.8, and is ranked 403rd overall, one spot behind Ben Gazzara, one spot ahead of Buck Henry. Carl, Reth, Carl Weathers, playing the voice of Combat Carl's. All the combat Carls, which is such a small moment in the movie, and I thought it was brilliant. I loved it so much. I thought he did a great job with it. Uh, Alan Oppenheimer. This is his seventh film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 69.57. It's his only film rate in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of The NeverEnding Story. He has a value of 6, a score of 60.11, to be ranked 440th overall, one spot behind Mary Wicks, one spot ahead of Michael Palin. And Alan Oppenheimer is the voice of Old Timer. Old Timer. I'm not even sure uh, who that refers to. I don't know. I'm not sure. Old Timer. Uh, I don't know. Probably, I mean, a, a toy, but I don't know which. Next up is Debbie Derryberry. This is her 39th film credit that I've seen, increasing her average film rate to 56.31. It is her 9th film rated in the 90s and 5th best movie overall, coming in behind Kiki's Delivery Service and ahead of Princess Mononoke. She has a value of 6.5, a score of 60.06, to be ranked 443rd overall, one spot behind H.B. Warner, one spot ahead of Carol Kane. Debbie Derryberry um, was additional voices. Additional voices. Next up is Mel Brooks. This is his 16th film credit, increasing his average form rate to a 61.56. It is his only film rate in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Young Frankenstein. He has a value of 4, score of 58.72, to be ranked 523rd overall, one spot behind Harry Belafonte, one spot ahead of Edward James Olmos. Mel Brooks is the voice of Meliphant Brooks. See what they did there? Uh, 
Next up is Patricia Arquette. This is her 14th film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 61.5. It is her fourth film rating in the 90s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Ed Wood and ahead of Flirting with Disaster. She has a value of 3.5, a score of 57.31, to be ranked 621st overall. One spot behind Harry Pollard and one spot ahead of Simon Callow. Patricia, uh, Patricia Arquette is the voice of Harmony's mom, a thankless role, like so many of these. Uh, next is Jeff Garland. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 56.83. It is his third film rated in the 90s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Wally and ahead of In a World. He has a value of 3.5, a score of 54.65 to be ranked 823rd overall, one spot behind Mahershala Ali, and one spot ahead of Steve McQueen. Um, Jeff Garland, bringing back his role, his voice to the role of Buttercup, who um, gets kind of this weird trait in, in this movie that was interesting. Um, I think they all they came just shy of, of making it obnoxious and uh, it was it was okay it was okay. Next is Carl Reiner. This is his thirteenth film credit, increasing his average film rating to a fifty eight. He has it's his only film in the nineties and best movie overall, coming in ahead of The Jerk. He has a value of two, a score of fifty two point two seven, to be ranked one thousand and fifty second overall. One spot behind Elizabeth Rodriguez. One spot ahead of George Weiner. Carl Reiner. Uh, playing the voice of Carl <sighs> Rhinoceros. Yep. Next is Tony Hale. This is the 14th film credit of his, increasing his average film rate to a 56.43. It's his only film in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of The Kings of Summer. He has a value of 1.5, a score of 50.88, to be ranked 1,194th overall, one spot behind Jake Johnson, one spot ahead of Barkad Abdi. And uh, Tony Hale is the voice of Forky, who I loved. And I thought Tony Hale did an exceptional job with Forky, uh, making him feel as neurotic and uh, conflicted and confused as he should be. Next is Jodie Benson. This is the 11th film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rating to a 57.27. It is her fourth film, Rain the 90s, and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind The Little Mermaid and ahead of Ralph Breaks the Internet. She has a value of 1.5, a score of 49.96, to be ranked 1,292nd overall, one spot behind Madeline Stowe, and one spot ahead of Kristen Shaw. Jodie Benson, uh, who maybe isn't in the movie. Hold on. She isn't not listed on the IMDb page, but that doesn't always mean everything. Where did I get her name? I don't know. How did this happen? She was in two and three as what? Help me out here. Barbie. Is Barbie in this one? I don't think so. That is a mistake. Okay. We'll just delete that. Do, 
seems to be having more and more often. Must have been on Letterboxd, and it's not there now. Uh, but it is not on IMDb. Great. Um, so, uh, instead of Jody Benson, we will talk about Kristen Shaw. Kristen Shaw. This is <clears throat> her 22nd film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 54.5. It is her second film rated in the 90s. And second best movie overall, coming in behind Toy Story 3. She has a value of 0, a score of 49.96, to be ranked 1,292nd overall, one spot behind Madeline Stowe, one spot ahead of Anthony Quinn. <clears throat> uh, she is the voice of Trixie. I like Trixie. Trixie's fun. Uh, again, doesn't get a lot to do, but, I mean, she's fun. Next up is Jordan Peele. This is the fifth film credit of his, increasing his average film rate to a 62.6. It is his only film in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Keanu. He has a value of 2.5, a score of 47.21, to be ranked 1,606th overall. One spot behind Kai Lennox, one spot ahead of Anna Massey. Jordan Peele is the voice of Bunny. Big Bunny. I love, I like Bunny and Ducky a lot. They were a good, they were a good time. Next is Carol Burnett. This is the fourth film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rate to a 66 even. It is her second film in the 90s, best movie overall, coming in ahead of The Secret World of Arietti. She has a value of 2, a score of 46 even, to be ranked 1,753rd overall. One spot behind Kira Sedgwick, and one spot ahead of Griffin Dunn. Carol Burnett... Carol Burnett is the voice of Cheryl Burnett. Great. Next up is Jay Hernandez. This is his 11th film credit, increasing his average form rate to a 50.64. It's his only film in the 90s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Friday Night Lights. He has a value of negative 2, a score of 40.85 to be ranked 2,419th overall. One spot behind Ron Howard and one spot ahead of Jeff Bell. Uh, or Hamish Linklater, or Miranda Otto, depending on how you look at it. <clears throat> um, yeah, Jay Hernandez uh, is the voice of Bonnie's dad. I liked Bonnie's dad. He 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 didn't he didn't go too big. He he played it just exactly as it deserved to be played. Jay Hernandez. Next up is Betty White. This is their seventh, her seventh film credit, increasing her average form rate to a 50.57. It's her only film in the 90s. Best movie. Coming in ahead of Ponyo. She has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 37.83 to be ranked 2,846th overall. One spot behind Margaret Cho, and one spot ahead of David Allen Greer. So, Betty White plays the voice of Bitey White. Sigh. Next up is June Squibb. This is her 18th film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 48.5. It's her only film in the 90s, best movie overall, coming in ahead of Nebraska. She has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 37.15, to be ranked 2,938th overall. One spot behind Adam Devine, and one spot ahead of Adam Devine? 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 Devine. Uh, one spot ahead of Michael O'Keefe. June Squibb is the voice of Margaret the store owner, the antique store owner. 
Next up is Keegan-Michael Key. This is the 25th film of his I've seen, <clears throat> increasing his average film rating to a 48.52. It's his fourth film, rated in the 90s, and second best movie overall, coming in behind the Lego movie and ahead of Get Out. He has a value of negative 8.5, a score of 36.43, to be ranked 3,035th overall, one spot behind Aldous Hodge, one spot ahead of Charlene, Charlene Yee. <clears throat> he is the voice of Ducky. 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 Again, I like I like Ducky and Bunny quite a bit. Next up is Blake Clark. This is the 22nd film of his I've seen, increasing his average point to a 44.77. It's his third film in the 90s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Rango and ahead of Hawaiian Vacation. He has a value of negative 12.5, a score of 28.54, to be ranked 3,884th overall, one spot behind Anson Mount, one spot ahead of Retta, among other people. Uh, and... Blake Clark is the voice of Slinky Dog. Uh, I think he has been since Toy Story 3, which uh, taking over for Ernest. Ernest. Next up is Christina Hendricks. This is her 17th film credit, increasing her average from range to a 38.82. It's her second film in the 90s, best movie, coming in ahead of Drive. She has a value of negative 13.5, a score of 21.24, to be ranked 4,445th overall. One spot behind Curtis Armstrong, one spot ahead of Chris Kattan. She is the voice of Gabby Gabby and plays it very, very well. Um, it's very subdued, uh, which really made it hard to figure out who was voicing Gabby Gabby while watching the movie. But I thought she she plays it really well, especially during uh, the more highly emotional scenes. She does a good job. And that is all of the actors. All of them. Uh, currently not nominated for any <clears throat> Academy Awards. Got to imagine that it gets a nomination for at least animated feature. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it can stretch out into something else, but uh, there doesn't... I don't know. I, I don't think there's going to be quite the fervor and, and desire to you know, heap on accolades to this one as there was for number three, even though I think this is still an exceptionally well-made movie. But we'll see. That's why we have the Circle of Film Awards. So currently... Best Picture, Best Director, Best Lead Performance from Hanks, Two Best Supporting Performances from Potts and Hale, Screenplay, Song, um, it's, um, what's the song? It's like Throwing Me Away or something like that. I don't know if it's on the IMDb page. Soundtrack. Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away. That is the song. Uh, special effects. Oh, the animation is is breathtaking. They have so many outside locations now, and they look ex amazing. And um, like I've been saying, scene it's probably going to be one in there, but I just don't know what it is. So, uh, yeah, uh, that leaves us with this is currently my best picture of the year. I don't think it's going to stay that way. 92 as my best picture would be a little low, uh, historically speaking, uh, and would in fact be the lowest best film of the year for me since 1985. So I would be shocked if nothing else came out that was better. It is the best animated film. That it could potentially hold on to. Uh, the past two years, the best animated film was rated to 91. So there's precedent there. Uh, we'll see. There's 
Not a ton left to come out. Frozen 2. Maybe there's some stuff I'm missing. Maybe some foreign stuff, anime stuff. We'll see. Uh, but for now, it is Toy Story 4. Uh, this year, 2019, I've seen 120 films released this year. Uh, they have an average rating of 40.95. Gone up a little bit. Tomato meter now for them has gone up to 61.82. Uh, Toy Story 4 is the 22nd adventure film, 13th animated film, 44th comedy, um, what else, fantasy, uh, 22nd fantasy, and first Pixar film from 2019, that doesn't sound right, I think there were Pixar shorts, let's look into that, uh, it increases the ratio of good to bad films to 28, or increases the number of good films to 28, making the ratio now 0.39, Slowly, slowly ticking up uh, that number. Uh, as a 3 on the Bechtel test, it is part of the 50.83% of films from this year with a 3. It is the third film with a G rating that I have seen this year. Uh, and finally, 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 with a rating of 92, it is one of the 50 films, 50 films to have received that rating. Only 50. Uh, so, it's in good company. Good company. All right. Uh, that is Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4. Whew. Like I said before, go watch it if you haven't. Revisit the old ones because they're all still exceptional. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's... It, it really feels to me much more of a bookend than Toy Story 3 did, having watched it now, having time to think about it and sit with it a little more. Uh, you know, Woody's story is over. If they ever make a Toy Story 5, I, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, like, they'll be angry, they'll be pissed, you know, they'll be so upset, you know, ruining. I don't feel that way. Uh, I honestly, I don't think they need a Toy Story 5, but if they choose to make one, with this track record, uh, you know, how, how do you say no? Uh, how do you, you know, no one, you know, Toy Story 3 felt unnecessary and it was exceptional. Toy Story 4, again, felt more unnecessary and I think it is still quite exceptional as well. Uh, you know, they all have a 98% or higher on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, critics love them, fans love them, they make a buttload of money. I just, I trust them with this franchise. You know, they've never treated Toy Story like the Cars franchise. Um, this, this wasn't, you know, a Finding Dory or an Incredibles 2, which are both good movies, but, you know, they're not up to this standard, and it never felt like they, those sequels were dealt with in, with the same care. Uh, whereas all the Toy Story movies, they they've honestly treated... It's their flagship, right? It is the defining, you know, Pixar brand. And if they ever choose to make a five, I, again, I'll be, I'll be cautiously, uh, I'll be, I'll be apprehensive, definitely. But I, I don't, it, I, I don't, wouldn't, uh, you know, just immediately assume it's going to ruin the rest of the franchise. So. We'll see. We'll see what, what ends up happening. Um, that's it, though, for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Um, if you would like to 
find me, contact me in any way, shape, or form, you can head over to Twitter at Circle of Film, Letterboxd at Circle of Film. Uh, you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, for all the old episodes and much, much more. You can support by rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing on whatever service you use to listen to this. Or you can support with patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.